We are back. Welcome back to Maximum Sports. I am Max Patillo. Welcome back to the podcast. So glad you're joining me. So much to talk about today. The NFL is just crazy right now. The way everything's coming together, the storylines. Today, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got uh, got another question of the week. Is it going to be good? We've got all these games, the NFL just has incredible parity right now. It's just amazing. I mean, I could just go through all these games, and and I'm pretty much going to, and, and they're just like, just so much shock, so much unpredictability, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about we got a little more GM handbook stuff. We're going to kind of wrap that up, just positional philosophies and all that. We're going to talk about running backs. We're going to talk about some predictions. I'm going to add some predictions to the show now because I kind of had a little FOMO last week that I had thought of some predictions and didn't put them on the show. And so I feel like I missed out. And uh, I can't really claim them because I didn't say them. So, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. So I can't really uh, come out and claim them. But, but this week I've got a lot more predictions and we're going to start doing that. So that's going to be pretty fun. So let's get right into it. Um, first, going to start with the 49ers. And they kind of had their first signature win, I'd say, of this season. And, you know, they went down to the Rams, and everyone, including myself, kind of thought that that would be their first big test. And they definitely passed, and they passed with flying colors, a 20-7 to win against the Rams. And I think that they were one of our our hype train teams that we expected to not be as good as everyone thought, like what it's turned out the last few years. And the funny thing about the Rams is that their hype was based around their offense. But what's really carrying them is their defense. And that game in particular was so funny because you had – these two supposedly offensive gurus, Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. And that game was a defensive battle. The offenses were kind of pitiful in a way. I mean, McVay is getting shut down now. And Jared Goff threw for like 56 yards or something. And they are just being shut down week to week now. And the Niners weren't even that much more impressive. I mean, their defense, the Niners' defense is legit right now. I think they're they're number two in the DVOA defensive category right behind the Patriots. And they're both just playing stellar defense, the Patriots and the Niners. And the Niners are being carried by their defense and it's pretty shocking uh 
you know, just between those two coaches to like not have very good offenses right now is pretty funny. And what it's all going to come down to, and which it always does, is still about the quarterback. And no matter how good your defense is, I mean, it's going to come down to Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's where I still think they're all hype. I just still haven't seen it from Jimmy at all. If anything, he's holding them back. I mean, if you look at his stats, it's incredible. He is 13-2 and all-time as a starter. And most of those, a lot of those wins came when he was with the Patriots, which we know about the Patriots, how good they are. But all of those wins are kind of like circumstance. Like he was in a garbage time at the end of the season or he was filling in for Tom Brady or all this. He's never played a full season, first of all. He's been in the league like six years. Uh, he's 13-2. and two. He's only played 15 games. It's, it's wild. And how many big games has he played in? Man, this Rams one was probably the biggest one. He didn't play that well. I mean, you look at his stats – in the 14 games he's played with the Niners, he's got 19 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, and three fumbles. Uh, that's not good. That's 19 touchdowns to 16 turnovers. I mean, he's lucky to have a job. And Kyle Shanahan does do a good job of, he's a very creative run game coordinator. And a lot of screen passes that helps Jimmy out. But man, at some point, when you start playing really good teams, and I think the Rams might not be in that category anymore. So has the Niners really faced their test yet? I don't know. And so I still can't buy into them yet. Are they a surprise? For sure. It's amazing. They're 5-0. and And their next couple games are still not going to be too difficult and it's not going to be till they play Seattle that I think uh, they're going to really run into somebody for real and the second half of the year for the Niners though looks to be pretty tough and that's where they're going to start to stumble and I still just don't think they have the leadership and the longevity to Maybe they can make the playoffs. They've with that start. I mean, it would take a total catastrophe for them to just slide like that. So maybe they're a playoff team, which I guess would be a pretty incredible feat for them uh, to surprise like that. But you know, the saying goes: if you're not hosting the Lombardi Trophy, then I mean, if you're not if you're second place, you're basically last. That's just how it goes. So if your goal is to make the playoffs, then you may may achieve it, San Francisco. But eventually your quarterback's probably going to be the one to come back to haunt you. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, now we're going to go to – we're just going to go through a lot of these games because they were just so fascinating. I mean, the, the Vikings just crushed the Eagles. And, I mean, Carson Wentz, he struggles on the road. You know, it's uh, Minnesota was reeling there for a while. I mean, Kirk Cousins just responds the last two weeks. He's got 16 touchdowns. 
or uh, sorry, six touchdowns in the last two games after his team just called him out. Coaches, team, threw him under the bus. Kirk Cousins has responded, and it's pretty impressive. So good for him, happy for him. Still don't think Kirk is going to take them the distance, but I'm glad to see him bounce back even after his team pretty much turned their back on him. That's always fun to see. The Eagles, I still think they're a good team. I just think that they got to get it together, especially Carson Wentz. They've got to he he they've got to have some leadership that they can go on the road and and play better. Basically, it's kind of simple, but they've got a lot of talent. I think that their secondary is kind of injured, but I think they've got enough talent to kind of just hang in there. There's just so much parity right now. It's just very unpredictable. And I think even in the AFC, you know, on to, um, they kind of have a, maybe a shifting in power all of a sudden, you know, where we thought the Chiefs were clearly the number two team behind the Patriots. They get beat by the Texans and they've lost two straight at home now. Patrick Mahomes just struggling and the Chiefs defense is just pretty atrocious. I mean, they, I think Andy Reid is such an offensive guru. I think he forgets about defense sometimes and doesn't prioritize it. You know, that's usually what, what happens. And, uh, they're just awful on D and, Deshaun Watson comes in there and outduels Mahomes. And I think the Texans kind of maybe jump up into that number two spot behind the um, Patriots. And AFC is kind of shaping out that way. So that was a big win between two AFC contenders. And the Texans went in there in a tough place to play and, and got it done. So Mahomes, you know, this is his second season, basically. He... You know, he sat out as a rookie, couldn't beat out Alex Smith as a rookie. And then and then he played and had an MVP season last year. Seems like guys get taken off guard and you can roll through a whole season. But then this this whole thing that's amazing to me when we talk about parity is it just it makes it all the more impressive for teams and for players who can sustain success. And that's what's so hard to do in the NFL because not only is the NFL designed to make the bad teams good quickly, but they do that in a way, the the way they do that is to make the really good teams kind of be penalized for being good with that hard salary cap. The good teams have to pay their good players usually, or at least they're pressured to, or they get lower draft pick uh, status, you know, you start picking in the later rounds. And so the NFL shifts that and you have to be able to shift with it basically and and, uh, keep ahead and keep organized and keep, don't get complacent and have a formula that wins consistently, not just for one or even two years. Can you keep winning? Can you keep making the playoffs, keep winning playoff games, keep winning the big games? And, I mean, when you really look at it over the last decade, 
the two regimes that have been able to do it for real are the Patriots and the Seahawks. And, you know, the Saints are close right there. They've been pretty successful, but they had a couple years in a row where they didn't make the playoffs. Uh, The Packers, same thing, kind of almost there, but they haven't made the playoffs the last two years. And so it's really just the Seahawks and the Patriots dueling it out. Obviously, the Patriots have been far more successful than anybody in terms of winning championships. I think if the Patriots were in the NFC, you wouldn't see nearly as many Super Bowls. And the Seahawks are in the NFC, and they've got it a lot tougher in this last decade. Uh, But that being said, those two franchises are kind of the model for consistency, consistently winning. And we're going to get to some other teams soon that are starting to fall off the cliff a little bit and becoming a victim of complacency and falling off quickly in the NFL. So speaking of the Seahawks, we're going to get into the Seahawks are able to pull off the win in Cleveland. And that was a very close game. I think that it's hard to win on the road no matter what, no matter who you're playing. I think the Browns are better than they used to be, which isn't hard to do. But they were a hype train team. And it was pretty predictable to see how it was going to go. Because this is what we talked about before the season of how Cleveland has to overcome a losing culture. And that's really hard to do. And it takes a incredible it takes a certain mindset collectively to move past and move forward the history of being terrible in Cleveland. And you know, winning teams with winning cultures, they are the one they find a way to win. And losing cultures find a way to lose. And Cleveland, they should that was a Perfect example of that was that game. Cleveland should have won that game. Uh, They had big plays. There were kind of some fluky stuff, but, you know, they got the turnovers. They got big special teams plays, and they were up 21 to 6, I think, at at half, and, or maybe just before half. I mean, that's a big lead when you're at home. You got to stomp on your opponent there if you're a legitimate playoff team. And they just couldn't do it, and they found a way to lose. And, man, Mayfield had a lot of turnovers, but it was his receivers who are the two highest-paid duo, by the way. We talked about this last week. Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, they were dropping passes, being called for penalties, and those drop passes turned into picks, and they were just awful. And... And then they can't block anyone very well. And, you know, the Seahawks come in there and there's that guy again, Russell Wilson. I mean, he just continues to put on a quarterback in clinic. And, I mean, he looks like a Jedi master playing football right now. I mean, he's it's just unreal to see the efficiency of, you know, 14 touchdowns, no interceptions. He broke the Seahawks record for most consecutive passes without a uh, without an interception and you know he's got four rushing touchdowns so you know 18 touchdowns total on the year and 
<clears throat> incredible accuracy, 73% completion percentage. It's just mind-blowing. And obviously with Mahomes really s- struggling, it's clearly uh, Russell Wilson will be the MVP uh, so far in this year. He's a clear MVP candidate. A lot of football left to go, but week to week, we'll keep an eye on it. And uh, Russell Wilson has just been performing. It's amazing. So uh, now we're going to go on to the Jets and Cowboys. And I wasn't going to say it, but I I should have said it on the podcast last week. But I, I thought the Jets might be able to beat the Cowboys. And just a really bad loss for Dallas. And the Dallas is just always so hyped. And they go into New York and New York was winless the Jets. It was, it was just a, a, a pick I should have made, and I'm going to start making picks and predictions. But I I said this would happen, and and uh, you're just going to have to take my word on it, I guess. But from now on, I'm going to I'm going to put it in ink, basically. But, you know, the Jets just took off. You know, they went up, they went up like 21 to 6 on the Cowboys, and it wasn't really close. You know, the Cowboys, they always make a mad dash at the end when the other team is in a predictable defense, just trying to hold on to a lead, and it makes the game seem closer than it was. The Jets punked the Cowboys, and the Cowboys, they look stale. They're poorly coached. Every year they're poorly coached. They've got no explosiveness on offense. Part of it is that Dak is limited. He's not an explosive talent. He's just not. And and then you got Ezekiel Elliott, your Mr. Holdout, who's just filthy rich now. Does he look like he deserves that money? Is he winning you games? They can't pound the rock anymore. He's not explosive. They're not having those plays. And he hasn't completely fallen off a cliff. But he's not worth that money he paid him. That's for sure. And you rewarded a holdout. So you set that precedent too. So Jerry Jones, we've always talked about Dallas being in trouble. Man, three losses in a row. And to teams that, you know, like the Jets, you gave them their first win. That's pretty bad. And I like Sam Darnold. I think clearly I laughed when the Browns picked Mayfield over Sam Darnold in that draft. They clearly should have picked Sam Darnold. That'll be proven out quicker than expected even. And I like Sam Darnold. I think he's got a good mentality. I think he's a good leader. It sucked that he got mono. Uh, that was weird. But he bounced back and he came in and their offense looked good. And we're going to talk about the Jets again later in the show. But... They just punked Dallas. That was great. And great for the Jets. And that kind of leads me into talking about Elliott and and talking about this edition of the GM Handbook. We're going to kind of wrap up the GM Handbook and kind of roster formation and all that. We've kind of laid these foundations. There's still a few priorities here and there we could have, but the essentials are kind of down laid in stone so we can refer back to them but this is 
We talked about wide receivers. Wide receivers are the lowest priority for us. And second to last on the priority list would be running backs. And you don't need to prioritize running backs in your money and in your... Basically, yeah, just just your money, just who you sign. You don't need to pay top dollar. You don't need to pay hardly anything for running backs. Now, I don't mind using high draft capital. You can use first-round, second-round picks on running backs. I think that's great. But just keep them young. They don't last long. They don't have a good shelf life at all. These guys' careers, they start to fall off a cliff around year five and six. And when do you got to pay them? If it's a first-round pick, you pay them after year five. If it's uh, uh, the rest of the rounds, then you have to pay them after year four. But if they fall off a cliff, statistically and historically, they fall off a cliff, unless you're like Frank Gore or something, which is crazy. But they fall off a cliff after five or six years. I mean, you're starting to see it with Elliott already. And they just paid him big money when they could have just got rid of him and just replaced him with, I don't know, there's so many running backs out there. I mean, I will admit Elliott is is one of the best right now, but he's not worth that much. The value isn't there for him. I mean, you're seeing it with Gurley, who was highest paid before Elliott, Gurley I mean, he is dropped off significantly, and the Rams are just in total disarray. We saw that coming down the road because of the way they're constructed, and Gurley has proven that out so far. I don't know if he can bounce back. I have my doubts. His knees don't seem right. They paid him way too early. They paid him way too much. Well, Sean McCoy before that, he was the highest paid Bills, you know how that turned out. They didn't do anything with him. I mean, if you build, if you prioritize the line, the offensive line like we talked about, you will have a good running back. If you've got a great offensive line, you will have a great running back. They'll open up holes. I mean, you will have a good running back. You may, maybe you won't be great, but there's college just churns these guys out. And they grow on trees like we talk about. You've got offenses in college that are running incredible stuff. All these running backs can catch the ball. They can run routes. They can run between the tackles. Christian McCaffrey's, you know, Chris Carson's, Carlos Hyde's, uh, Alvin Kamara's, Marlon Mack's. You know, these guys grow on trees. They're all over the place. And all those guys were lower round picks. So you don't even need to use high draft capital if you don't want. If you find a guy you really like, go for it. Pick him in the first round. But, I mean, Alvin Kamara, I told you before, that would be my top pick for running back in the league right now. He was a third round pick. Chris Carson, seventh round pick. He's just tearing it up for the Seahawks right now and last year. Marlon Mack. Tearing it up for the Colts. Fourth round pick. You just keep your running backs young and they'll produce. You will have guys that produce. If your scout 
scouting departments worth anything, they will be able to find running backs. You don't need to pay a Todd Gurley. You don't need to pay Ezekiel Elliott. Those guys aren't going to win you a Super Bowl. We talked about top wide receivers winning Super Bowls in the salary cap era. Go look at the past Super Bowl champs. You know who the best running back is? Of the teams that have won Super Bowls in the last decade, the best by far is Marshawn Lynch with the Seahawks. The other ones, who, who name me the Patriots running backs. Can you name them? No, they're all the same. They're just guys, but they're guys that can catch passes and block and do their job. But they're not flashy, and they don't need to be. So <clears throat> that's how we feel about running backs. That's how we feel about receivers. Honestly, I'd rather have a good kicking game and a good punting game than have those positions be prioritized. You find, you build the best offensive line you could possibly do. You throw all your resources, time, energy into doing that. You have a great offensive line that way. In the meantime, you try to find your elite quarterback and you don't pay a dime more for anything less than that. You can replace your quarterbacks We've talked about that a lot. And then on defense, you want to go inside pass rush if you can. You want to go corners. Get your secondary set up that way. And then after that, maybe you prioritize the linebackers. Maybe you prioritize the defensive ends. Maybe you prioritize safeties even. There's something to be said about that. Pete Carroll style defense. You want that single high safety to have a lot of range. It makes a huge difference. Wins you Super Bowls. Then you get into kind of scheme and, and what you're running is what you're going to prioritize. And there's a lot of different schemes that can win. And there's a lot of different prioritizing positionally that can win as well. So that's kind of the GM handbook for Maximum Sports. We've kind of laid it all out and we'll always reference back to it. But we've laid out I think we've covered all the positions now, so we can get into a little more nuance if we want. You guys can let me know, but we'll be referring back, and and the league always changes too, so things do change, but this is, right now, this is how you got to set your team up if you want to win Super Bowls. So, kind of on that front, transitioning into the Rams we talked about the Rams, how they're really uh, trending down now. And I think that was their third loss in a row was to the Niners. Divisional game, two divisional losses in a row. They lost that heartbreaker to the Seahawks for them. Missed field goal. And now today, just today, it came down that the Rams traded Marcus Peters to the Ravens for a linebacker that... I don't really, I've never heard of, but this is like pretty alarming if you're a Rams fan. And, you know, last offseason, not this last offseason, but the offseason before last year, the Rams, that's when the Rams made all their splashy offseason moves and really put themselves on the map, basically, with the moves. You got Brandon Cooks, Top paid wide receiver, Ndamukong Sue, defensive line. They brought in Aqib Talib, who is hurt now, 
probably for the rest of the year. They put him on IR, which means he can't return for eight weeks. He's probably done. He's pretty old. They paid him a ton of money, by the way. Marcus Peters, they traded traded a lot of draft capital to the Chiefs for Marcus Peters. Peters has now been traded twice already before he's gotten his contract, which tells you a lot about him and his value. People don't really value him. Both those corners didn't really perform up to what they had expected. And the Rams mortgaged their future for making it to the Super Bowl last year and not scoring a touchdown and pretty much not competitive in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. And now their future is on the back of Jared Goff, who they've clearly signaled is their franchise now because they paid him top dollar. And now Jared Goff will be in charge to carry that franchise into the future by himself. Todd Gurley's not going to help out. He's almost done. He's fried. His knees are fried. Marcus Peters is gone. Keep Tlaib will be gone. They've got no money because they spent it in all the wrong places. And we all knew this would happen. And now it's starting to happen. So can Jared Goff and his 50 yards passing last week, can he get you back to the Super Bowl? It's a tough, tough question. (laughs) So I think we can all see the writings on the wall with the Rams and it's just fascinating. I think that the Rams made reckless moves knowing that they were reckless. And you look at what, what they're doing in L.A. They moved from St. Louis to L.A. They know they need to get good to have some some kind of fans who are going to buy tickets for the money that their owner, Cronky, richest owner in the league, has invested in that stadium that they're building. It'll be the biggest, fanciest stadium in the world when it's done. It'll be in L.A., and they needed fans, and so they needed stars to come in and elevate that franchise, which has been pretty crappy for a while in St. Louis. And they did it. They brought in a bunch of big-name players, and everyone thought they were going to be so good, and they really lived up to it last year. I mean, the year before, they were they were okay. They made the playoffs. They were kind of a surprise team. They lost at home to uh, the Falcons, and they were not competitive in that game. So that kind of told you, now, oh, if you lose at home in the playoffs, you, it kind of means you don't belong to be there. Or you, you don't belong there, especially in the first round. But last year, they just had all those that star power, and it took them all the way to the Super Bowl, and it was pretty amazing. But then that game against the Patriots, I mean, Bill Belichick kind of just stomped them out right there. And everyone was anointing Sean McVay as the boy wonder. And you can only get so far when you don't have your roster structured the right way. And that's always been our philosophy. 
and at Maximum Sports, and that's what sustains success. And to me, it's only really impressive if you can do it multiple years in a row, not just one or two with a crappy performance in the Super Bowl. It just leaves a bad taste in your mouth, and it's hard to bounce back from. And we're seeing that now with the Rams, and it's just tough to watch for them, for their fans. And uh, so now we're going to get into, oh, there's so many games, so many games I want to talk about, but, you know, we're we're going to get into some more with the predictions, so that'll be good. Um, we're going to do question of the week, and this one comes from my dad, uh, Brian Patillo, and I'm really excited, wanted him to have the next uh, question of the week for the podcast. My dad's obviously, like, been a huge supporter of the podcast, and he's one of the reasons I wanted to do it. I told myself from the beginning that even if it was just my dad who listened week to week, that it would be worth it to do the podcast. So I'm so thankful to my dad, and I mean, he's, you know, the big reason that I love sports, and I'm so thankful for sports in my life, and he was the one who, like, you know, he's a huge sports fan, and so, of course, I am too, and we've just had so much fun over the years, and really appreciate my dad for that, and wanted to give him the question of the week for this episode, and so his his question is, got to read it off here, and his question is, he's got two questions. Uh, he says, is it just me or do others hate when the analysts go to the special rules guys like Dean Blandino and he says Mike Tirico and to explain what everyone is already seeing on the slow-mo review and does the NFL think fans are idiots and can't evaluate the penalties themselves <laughs> and uh, I really love the question and I I actually agree and I think like you can just watch that crazy Monday night game last night and it's so relevant that question because they had those egregious calls and it seems like every game you watch they have these egregious calls and they're so obvious on replay and they'll bring in uh they used to bring in Dean Blandino, but he's doing other things now. He was ahead of officiating, but they bring in uh, these other official analysts. And the funny thing is, they analyze these calls in slow-mo, and they're usually still wrong. And it's like most of the time, they're still wrong. <laughs> and it's like embarrassing. And it's like, oh yeah, it looks like he uh, fumbled there. But then the uh, ref will come out after review and say, no, it wasn't a fumble. It was a, you know, and, you know, it's just, it's pretty hilarious. And I think that it does get annoying when they bring on those guys to explain the obvious kind of. And I think it's just the way the NFL is trying to entertain you while you wait on their stupid replays that just muck up the game so much. I think they... If if we bring in this expert to explain things that 
it'll entertain them while they review these plays and I, I don't think it's really needed but you know that is a a good I think that dad to answer your question I think you're not the only one who feels that way I think I, there's a lot of people I see talking about the refs and 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 people don't like how the league is being officiated right now it's it's been pretty bad for a while <laughs> and it's affecting games you know I mean that game last night Lions and Packers was just blown by the refs big time and so we'll get we'll get on to uh his his second question here um he says why are downs repeated after penalties so it's first and 10 and you get a penalty and then it's first and 20 it should be second and 20 and i could see what you're talking about there and i just think that uh i think they're penalizing you enough it's basically the play didn't count so the down doesn't count and i just think maybe it would be too big of a penalty to lose a down as well so like if a guy uh if a guy uh jumps off sides or if a guy's holding i guess on holding it would make more sense to lose a down as well but it's a 10-yard penalty and it almost like kills your drive already but if you got holding and then you know on on the on third and 10 and you got called for holding and then it's fourth and 20 so you get the 10-yard penalty and loss of down i just think it might be too big of a penalty um one of the ones that i that i don't really understand is when like last night with that controversial call with the lions where he's got his arm in the shoulder pads and they did illegal hands to the face which it just clearly wasn't that was just horrible call and that's what everyone's talking about today but and it happened twice on the Lions. But I don't get how a five-yard penalty is also an automatic first down. I think that's just ridiculous. Like, I think on that on that one with Rodgers and, and uh, Trey Flowers on the defense, I think it was like third and, third and long at least. It was like third and 12 or something. Big yardage, and they just gave it to the Packers because it was a but it was a five-yard penalty and an automatic first down. That's just really tough. If it's a five-yard penalty, just give them five yards and replay the down. You know, it's just like we were talking about with the other the other way, how you don't lose a down. You shouldn't lose a down. The offense shouldn't just automatically get a first down for a five-yard penalty. You know, so that's just... Um, pretty crazy and uh looks like we just got some breaking news here and uh wow it looks like the we were just talking about the rams trading marcus peters and it looks like the the rams have just traded for jalen ramsey of the jaguars for first round picks next year and the year after and a fourth round pick in 2021 so that's a a lot to unpack right there breaking news on the show for the first time ever 
that's pretty awesome. Uh, Jalen Ramsey's, man, he's one of the best corners in the league. So the Rams got that now. And uh, he's going to be a good fit for that defense with Wade Phillips. Huge upgrade from uh, Marcus Peters. So Jalen Ramsey on the Rams now. You heard it here first. Probably not because you got the uh, notifications on your phone as well. But if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't seen it, you you heard it here first. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. There's a lot to unpack there. The Rams still trying. They're in win-now mode forever. They're giving away first-round picks left and right. But uh, that's that's still probably a – he's a great player, Jalen Ramsey. So that's fascinating. Um, we're going to get into, uh, you know, we talked about the Packers-Lions. That was just, uh, I thought the Lions, maybe we're going to pull it off in Green Bay. You know, with if the Lions would have won that game, they would have been in first place in that division. And since they lose, they're in last place in that division. That's how close that division is in the NFC North. And so just fascinating how much, that shows you how much parity there is. And the Lions should have had that game. You know, the Lions are going to blame the refs a lot. And they definitely do have a grievance against them for those calls. But, I mean, Matt Stafford, you just, you got to make those plays down the stretch. You got to, he was 3 for 13 on third down. And Aaron Rodgers made the plays, and you didn't. And that's how it's been for too long. And you can't only blame the refs so much. There's like, you've got, you know... 100 plays in a football game, and if you have three egregious calls, that's a lot of calls, but that's still only three out of 100 plays in a game. And it it it, it seems like it changed the outcome, but you still control your outcome. It's just not an excuse. It's not a viable excuse. It's not something you can control. So you need to convert more third downs than three for 13. That's where the blame should go. should go on the quarterback and the offense. Because that's pretty bad. Shouldn't go against the refs. I'm sorry. You just can't use it as an excuse. As easy as it is to do. So that's the Lions. That's how they've been for a long time. So I want to get into my predictions for week seven. Next week. This is going to be shocking to a lot of people. But I think I've got a chance to be right. And that would be epic. And we're going to really see... And I'll keep my record and let you know. I am going to go with, this is my upsets, basically. So I'll I'll tell you the lines for Vegas that they have, and these are going to be upsets and shockers. I'm not going to predict every game, but I just want to do the ones that stand out. And it's going to start off on Thursday night football. The Broncos, I have the Broncos. I think they'll beat the Chiefs. Chiefs are favored by three. It's in Denver. The Chiefs are slipping. They're playing terrible defense. Denver, on the other hand, is fourth in DVOA defense. Their defense is really playing well. Last week, they shut out the Titans, who are actually a pretty good team. Denver's starting to roll a little bit. There's going to be a lot of momentum. Denver's a tough place to play. Mahomes has always struggled there. I think he's still won, but he's struggled. And that's going to be the shocker to start the week off. Thursday, 
Broncos beat Chiefs. Next one I have, I didn't know about this trade that just happened. This could actually affect my prediction. Jalen Ramsey's that good. But I'm still going to stick with it, and I'm going to say the Rams lose in Atlanta. I still have not given up on Atlanta. And I know people think I'm crazy, but Atlanta's played some good teams. And the Rams are favored by three. Atlanta is a tough place to play. Once again, they still got talent on that team. The Rams have been stumbling. They still haven't fixed. They they've got some offensive issues now. Jalen Ramsey's going to help a lot, but I don't know if he can come in right away and make that big of a difference. I think he will long term, but I'm going to go with the Atlanta Falcons to turn their season around and do it against the Rams. And then I'm going to have the Lions beating the Vikings. Vikings are favored by one and a half. It's in Detroit. And I think that the Lions look pretty impressive. They're playing good defense. They went into the Green Bay. And I think the Vikings are kind of a similar team, except the Lions, I think, are built a little better in the spots you might not know about. Maybe offensive line, and they can push the Vikings around a little bit and grind out a win. And I just think Kirk Cousins isn't quite ready to take over, and they're going to stumble. So I've got the Lions beating the Vikings. I've got the Saints uh, beating the Bears. The Bears are favored by three. This was kind of an easy one for me. The Saints are rolling. Bridgewater's rolling. And the Bears just don't have enough on offense to to win that game. And I think it'll be another close game that the Saints had. They beat Jacksonville 13-6. to But I think that the, the Saints are just looking great. And so I've got them upsetting the Bears. And I've got the Eagles beating Cowboys. I think they go in and give the Cowboys their fourth loss in a row. Cowboys are favored by three. Man, I'll... I'll go against the Cowboys a lot this year, probably. They're very hyped. Obviously, they're favored by three against the Eagles. I got the Eagles beating the Cowboys. And then I've got the... This is the crazy one. I wasn't sure if I wanted to put it or not, but I wanted to make up for last week. So maybe that had something to do with it. I've got the Jets beating the Patriots. Monday Night Football going to be wild the Patriots are favored by 10 which is wild and the Jets were impressive against Dallas and they've got a lot of talent Patriots have the best defense in the league but it's a divisional game those games are always closer than you think these teams know each other very well and Adam Gase the Jets coach he's He's got uh, some tricks up his sleeve, so I think the Jets can pull it off. And it's in New York. Hard to win on the road, especially in your division. Jets beat Patriots. And we will check back in on those predictions next week. Thank you so much for joining me again. Um, it's, it's been a blast. So hopefully these next weeks will be the same. 
I think they will be. You can just count on the NFL. It's just so entertaining. And I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And tune in next week. And you guys have a good week. Thank you.